Well, as you know, by now we've had technical difficulties, so nothing recorded this morning for live stream on the podcast or sermon by phone. So hopefully this sermon message will come to you and you'll be able to listen to it through the week today. Let us pray. Loving God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, dear God, our rock and redeemer. Amen. When I look back on my childhood, I remember those things that captured my attention and, to be honest, maybe even created a distraction in me. Memories that some may call nostalgic. For example, as a kid of the 80s and 90s, I was raised on Saturday morning cartoons. Those are cartoons that are ingrained on my mind, and even some of the commercials during those morning shows seemed as entertaining as the cartoons themselves. They left an imprint. They impacted me as a child, maybe even still as an adult. Suddenly, you could be introduced to a new game, a new doll, a bigger and better toy, and you just had to have it. Mom, look at what I saw on TV. I need to have that. Can I have it? But it's it's what I want now. Even if you could not have it now, sometimes parents would offer you a promise that that maybe, maybe for Easter or your birthday or even Christmas. You never know. You just had to be good and maybe you would get what captured your attention, that must-have item. Well, wait and see. Not now, though. Those Saturday mornings left me with so many moments where the so-called simple commercial took me to a place of temptation. It was initiated. And as a kid, I was engaged in that temptation. Look, look, there is a worm on the hook. All you have to do is bite. All you have to do is bite. Temptation can have a way of making everything look so simple, so very easy. Take this and do that. All you need is this. Indulge that ego. Don't pay too close attention. Don't ask too many questions. See this instead. Focus on this. Distract yourself on that. That is how temptation works. It distracts you, offers you something something else that might take up your time. And all you have to do is just, just take it. Then you don't have to truly witness what might be happening right in front of your face. You don't have to even pay attention to that. Some might even say that temptation might have a way of desensitizing us with distraction. Look at the very definition of temptation. The Oxford Online Dictionary says temptation is the desire to do something, especially something wrong or unwise, a thing or a course of action that attracts or tempts someone. And then you see words like lure and enticement, seduction, draw, pull. They come at this idea of temptation. These descriptors come from this. And even the Bible, even in the biblical sense of temptation, it is to choose another way other than God. Some may say that disobeying of God in itself is temptation and it leads to sin. Now, sin can be a scary word. Oh no, the preacher is talking about sin today. What should we do? Oh, time to get uncomfortable. However, I like how one of the desert fathers, Ponticus, you might know Ponticus, for the seven deadly sins. When we discuss the idea of temptation, Ponticus, he talks about, about around it around a relationship, that relationship with sin. 
What is our relationship with sin and how does it affect our relationship with God? And in seminary, it struck me greatly how Ponticus broke sin down as sin is basically turning away from God. A choice that we make to turn from God and or have something between ourselves and God, like a barrier, something blocking us from God. And I remember sitting in class and having this light bulb moment when looking at how Ponticus describes sin. It was the first time I looked at sin in such a, dare I say, simple but life-changing way. Suddenly, I could talk about sin and not feel like, like maybe what you're feeling now, uncomfortable. The topic of sin was not as uncomfortable to discuss because now I saw sin as turning away from the divine, turning away from the good, turning away from the light, turning away from one's faith, turning away from God. Letting something or someone come in between you and God. For my entire life, up to that moment in seminary, I never liked to talk about sin. I found it to be one of those taboo topics that you couldn't really discuss with a lot of people. But now, however, now I wanted to talk about it. I still do. Let's talk about sin. It made today's text of Jesus in the desert being tempted make a lot more sense to me. Sin was something that could be discussed because it was simply deciding to turn away from God. That was sin. No matter the details around the sin, it is you, it is me, it is us, and it is us turning away and saying no to God, saying no to the love, grace, and peace of God. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, Reverend Rachel, you're making that sound way too simple. We are brilliant people. We would not knowingly turn away from the love of God. And okay, fair enough. So let us add in the idea of sin, this idea of sin as a thing, and then add in distraction. So we have sin and we have distraction now. Let's add that in. Not only are we going to sin by turning away from God, we're going to have something else that will distract us into a false sense of freedom, utopia, like we had found a better way. We don't need this God stuff. Look, look, look at this new and improved state of art. Look at the new and improved state of art God. It lights up. We are in a hot desert and we turn from the water that will keep us alive and we turn to the heat of the sun because in that moment we're distracted by the short-lived feeling of utopia, that false short-lived feeling of utopia. The sun is on our face. Feels good, right? Ah. And we've all done it. We've all sat in our own deserts with temptation dangling like a carrot right in front of our face. Look, it's right there. Snatch it. In the gospel lesson that Reverend Bob read this morning, sin, Satan, or the tempter offers Jesus distractions. Distraction one. If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Prove to me who you are. Let's just poke at that ego of yours just a bit, will we? Distraction two. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against the stone. Okay, now let's really test this word made flesh come and protect who and what you are. 
what you're trying to achieve here. Come on. Distract, distraction three. All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Show Jesus the worldly powers and how he can just turn his face away from the divine mission. Do it. And these earthly powers become all yours. Wow, talk about distraction. Talk about lure. And we know the story. Jesus does not turn his face away from God, from his ministry, from what he came to be with us, the word made flesh, Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah, God with us. When I think of this whole scenario, I can, I can even look back at other tempting texts, like the one in Genesis shared this morning, and see a whole new way. What is distracting us from our faith, from God, from the truth? We all get distracted. I get distracted. I sometimes find that even this thing called church can lose its way when we lose sight of God. The church can lose sight of God. When we are lured away from, when we're lured away from the teachings of Jesus, we lose sight of God. When we try to make our distractions part of God's plan instead of God's will being done, we lose sight of God. So today, we have Jesus in the desert, and he is being tempted. God in the flesh being tempted by the so-called earthly gain, the carrot dangling. And what was his response? Away with you. Away with you, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And in that moment, I think how Jesus responds is the real lesson for all of us. That this world does have its struggles, and it can be extremely cruel. We can feel powerless. It can make it can make sense to what it can make sense to want to be distracted. I understand that. To want to have that distraction, to have things grab at your attention and help us to get a false sense of peace. A utopia that is short-lived and leaves us looking for the next false mountaintop moment. And it can feel so right in the moment, but is it right? What does it do for us really? Those magical sea monkeys I so wanted were, were something that when I got them were not what I first thought they were, not quite. The commercial made it look so much better, brighter, that toy with the bells and whistles. So what is the next thing that will distract? How do we maneuver through the noise, the lure, the temptations of this world that moves us from the good that is the constant? A constant love waiting for us to turn back towards an all-loving, forgiving God who just wants to be part of our lives. What will our answer be when the distractions that take us away from our faith come calling? Because they will. How will we respond to those things that take us away from our faith and into a place of separation from God? Or as Ponticus would say, sin. All glorious gods. Amen.